0: Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions, because it's time to dish the dirt. On the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning.
1: It's the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor here, bidding you welcome. And, of course, we're looking toward the east way over there, Prince Edward County. There's Charlie Dobbin, the star of the show. Hey, good morning, Charlie.
2: Good morning, Frankie. How are you doing? Pretty
1: good, thank you very much. Uh, Mm -hmm. I must admit... Everybody although, is in the same boat. You know, we keep hearing that we're all in the same boat. But honest to God, all we want is just to, to get out to enjoy some live music and have a you know. drink at a favorite pub with folk. You know, and, and I guess it's going to happen. But oh boy, oh boy, you know.
2: I know, it's, and I think it's particularly tough for gregarious types like yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's <laughs> you
1: probably know. poetry. But you know, let's let's face it. We have had some fantastic news. What well, with the uh, new vaccine from Johnson and Johnson mm-hmm. on the way. Mm-hmm. So that means well, four of them uh, out there now that uh, are going to be available, and
2: we'll yeah, help great. things along. And, and, yeah, and because we're such old farts, we'll be we'll be vaccinated pretty quick. I would think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, it's when age matters. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. Oh, uh, listen, you've got a bit of news, I think, uh, from the uh, Toronto Botanical Garden to deal with. It, you, you
2: know, what? I just wanted to give everybody a heads up. If you if you really want to get into the garden, but it's still too early to actually physically get into the garden, the Toronto Botanical Gardens, and of course, their website is one word: Toronto Botanical Garden ca they've got all kinds of virtual learning going on and one that a couple jumped out at me but one that's going to be excellent this monday march the eighth, 8 30 p.m is called tomatoes and of course it's backed by po- popular demand because it's being hosted by emma biggs now you remember emma she was the she's a teenager she's now 15 yeah. but she was on our show when she was 13 she grows so many different tomato varieties at her suburban, you know, parents' home That uh, and she's so well spoken and and just so interesting. She will be presenting oh sorry, it's not at 8, it's from 7 to 8.30 on Monday, March 8th and of course it's through Zoom and you just register online and then join join the gang and uh, anybody who's thinking about tomatoes, Emma has become such an expert. Uh, we'll have to get her back on the show but in the meantime, check her out uh, at the TBG Virtual Learning Center.
1: Excellent. Okay. And I'm just looking at a really cute email that we received from Marty and Shirley McMartin. Let me just quote it. He says, uh, orchid killers from Frankfurt, Ontario. We seem to have no trouble maintaining a Christmas cactus laugh out loud. As I recall, you have knocked off more than one or two orchids in your career.
2: Hmm? That's true. I, I have been known to say that I've never met an orchid yet that I couldn't kill. But that's It's not actually, I've gotten a lot better at it. I've I've studied more about how to provide the right environment for orchids. So I currently have three orchids blooming and two or three not blooming. So, yeah, I'm actually not so bad. But similar to Sherry Martin, my Christmas cactus is putting on a beautiful show right now.
1: Great stuff. Oh, I meant to tell you, uh, we had a brief chat uh, by phone before the uh, before coming into the studio here, and I meant to mention to you, saw three gorgeous deer running awesome. through the forest there, uh, mm-hmm. just uh, almost to where the pond is, you know, mm-hmm. as we we're going through the forest. And they were just, oh, it's so beautiful to, to see wildlife like that. You live in a
2: gorgeous place. You are so lucky. Yeah, but, true. true. So listen, Frankie, you know what? I know you, you hate me to tell you what to do, but... You haven't given the phone numbers (laughs) yet. (laughs)
1: <laughs> You're good at telling me what to do. I follow directions really good, too. Okay, here we go. Phone numbers to reach Charlie Dobbin on the to Show in Toronto. Call 416-360-0740, and then anywhere in the province, toll free, 1-866-740-4740. We could go on at length talking about a whole bunch of stuff, but there are callers waiting to talk to you, and I have a whack of emails to deal with, too, so let's take a little break, Charlie. You've really fill your coffee cup and away we go with the garden show here on zoomer radio
0: just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: well charlie we're going to take a little trip uh, north and to the east just a little bit kawartha lakes that's where we're getting a call right now from mm-hmm. gail who's online good morning gail
3: Good morning. Hi, Charlie. I have a question about impatience. I like to plant a dense border of impatience, and a few years ago there was a disease. Has that disease passed on now?
2: Um, Not that I know of, but that is a great question. The traditional impatience that Everybody absolutely has grown for years and years and loved to death because it was such an easy plant to grow and it bloomed like crazy. You know, kind of loved, handled the shade so well. Uh, that was the one that got the disease called downy mildew and was completely taken off the market. So instead, what they did is they, uh, with a little bit of research and development, they, a different form of impatience, it's actually a New Guinea impatience, a different form, uh, was um, sort of selected. If you, and that was the one that came out available to the, the homeowners. It looks very similar to the old, the old one um, and does not have any issues with the downy mildew. So you should see impatience for sale. Uh, you should, I think, also see patients seeds for sale. But that does bring up an interesting question, which I'll check out. Um, and you, so you can grow patients. It's just not the exact same varieties what you're used to.
3: Excellent. Um, and if that didn't work out, what would you suggest to replace in patients?
2: Uh, is it a fair amount of shade with planting them? No, um, there's morning sun. <laughs> quite, quite a bit of sun. Because that was what we... Um, in a sunny spot, I mean, if it's really sunny, you've got lots and lots of choices. Everything, you know, from geraniums. I mean, you're liking the short... I'm a big fan of vineyards, uh, marigolds. These are super easy, super bloomers in the sun. Um, you know, again, depending on how much sun there is. Uh, and then there's so many things in between, you know, um, uh, great, great petunias. They're always coming up with new petunias. Yeah. So they're, they can always be pretty fun. Um, and then various and, uh, different sort of, you know, the salvias. The salvias give you those upright vertical flowers versus the round, Flowers that we are kind of get so many of, with the the petunias and the geraniums. Mm-hmm. Um, I love coleus. I find coleus so simple. You you need to pinch it every now and then. We don't grow it for its flowers. We grow it for its beautiful leaves. But there's lots and lots of choices when it comes to uh, the coleus. Uh, alyssum is always a great one, and it's a huge pollinator. Uh, supporter. Um, the pollinators love alyssum. So, you know, that can be a nice one as well. It's a nice border plant. So, um, adgerabin, if you've never grown it, it's a lovely plant, blues and white. Yeah. That's Thank what I you like very to. much. You're very
4: welcome. Thanks okay, for thanks following for,
1: me. Thanks for joining us here on a Saturday morning. I forgot, you know, in our little diatribe that I didn't do this morning, uh, to our little uh, mantra there, uh, for mm-hmm. heaven's sakes, uh, listen up here. folks. <laughs> call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, uh, let Carlos know. He'll let me know. And then when you get to the air... Uh, just before you went here, that's what you're going to hear. And we've, we do have, next time we go back to the phone lines, we're going to have a, a first time caller to deal with, okay, Charlie? Excellent. And we have to take a little bit of a break right here, but just a heads up warning to Marion Rigg, listening in from Barry. You sent an email to Charlie. We're going to deal with that when we come back here to the garden show.
0: Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio.
1: Okay, Charlie had mentioned uh, just prior to the break there that Mary and Rig should listen up, because here is uh, the question that she has sent to you. In fact, she sent a photo too about an amaryllis bulb that was given to them for Christmas. It's produced fifteen blooms. Says the. First First stock had four blooms, second had five, and the third has six blooms. In the summer when it's outside in the sun, should it be fertilized or just watered?
2: Hmm. Gorgeous, gorgeous plant. I don't know if you look at the pictures, Frank, but yeah, really, really pretty. Uh, So obviously an excellent, healthy bulb that was given to uh, the Rig family. So what I would suggest, uh, she's asked about fertilizing and or just watering. The answer is do both. And actually, I assume the flowers are done now. Leaves are growing. Start your fertilizing now. March is an excellent time to start the, the new growth on any of our tropical plants. So don't over-fertilize. You know, mix according to directions. Only use once a month. <clears throat> and right through till, uh, till yeah, mid-summer.
1: dokey. All right. Uh, oh, hey, I'm reaching for the bell. Here we go. <laughs> That's for a first-time caller. Pat calling in from Whitby. Good morning, Pat. Good
4: morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm a group of women at a retirement home, and we would like to start growing some flowers from seed to put out in our garden later on. Excuse me. we have a lovely uh, sunny horticultural room nice. and uh, with some small greenhouses in it that's like a couple of shelves with a zippered cover over them. Oh, yeah. We've got our small peat pots ready. Oh. I'd like some suggestions for flowers that would be easy to grow and more importantly, the care of the seeds after planting.
2: Mm-hmm. So... Where you would be planting these plants? Would it be sunny? Would it be half day
4: sun? It would be uh, almost complete sun, and they're in raised beds. Oh, perfect. Wooden box. Okay. Well,
2: so, yeah, so, Pat, if you were listening, um, Gail, who called just at the top of the show, had asked a question about, you know, great annuals that would be fun to work with. And, you know, I, I did mention marigolds. They're yes. easy to grow, and they love the sun, and once and, and, and easy, like seeds are easy to grow. And then once you get them outside and into the garden, your only job, of course, is watering on occasion. And then with your thumb and your index finger... Pinching off the flowers when they 're finished they they get crispy, you pinch them off, and lots more flowers grow so i would I would suggest nasturtiums for the same reason, super easy handle the hot, hot sun mm-hmm. and they get you to grow up with seed nasturtium, I would plant directly out into the garden i wouldn't even bother starting indoors okay um, but my, uh, miracles I would start indoors the um you can get some dwarf uh, sunflowers, which are kind of fun.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: There's a, a Stokes carries a variety called Smiley, which is a short sunflower. It is considered sterile, so it's not going to produce seeds. Mm-hmm. But it's a you know really gorgeous, um, really cheerful plant, right? You get those round uh, yellow flowers, and they just make you smile when you look at them. So they can How be would they be? They only grow about uh, five to eight inches tall. Okay. You know, So that's a nice size in a raised bed. Um, uh, Jumping out at me as well, of course, any cosmos are easy to grow. Mm -hmm. Cosmos, C-O-S-M-O-S, they tend to be in all the pinks and reds. So remember, think about your colors. If you just want to do every color of the rainbow, you're fine. But if you're going with marigolds, you're tending towards the yellows and oranges. And if you're going with cosmos, you're tending towards the pinks and reds. So you might want to just kind of sort out where, where you want to go or go either side of the property kind of thing so you don't get it too hard on the eyes. Um, but, yeah, super simple. Any of those to get those. I, I mentioned alyssum earlier. Again, easy to grow. So, yeah, you get those seeds. And there's good information on the packages. Seed packages will always tell you, um, you know when to grow in terms of yes. before the last frost. They're going to recommend a germination seed mix. So you've got your peat pots. Mm -hmm. you'll need some soil but you'll get the soil that's for starting seeds right and you'll moisten that you'll pop that into those little peat pots you'll plant the seeds at the depth that's recommended on the package Mm -hmm. you'll it's always a bit tricky to water at the beginning because you don't want to wash everything away so i tend to use a a spritzer and mist very very thoroughly Mm -hmm. to moisten after i've planted my seeds and then yeah having those little mini greenhouses is a bonus because then of course You've got that nice high humidity, and you'll have things germinating before you know it.
4: And it would be good to put them right into those little greenhouses as soon as we plant the seeds. It would.
2: Because that you'll find that you've got, like I said now, keeping in mind that if those little mini greenhouses are in a sunny window, they turn into an oven when the sun
4: shines on them. Right, but we can so, keep them back from the window too. Yeah,
2: yeah. so until you get seed germination, don't let those turn into ovens. But, of course, you do like it warm in there because the seeds will germinate faster if it's warm. Once they start to grow, you get a little bit of green growth above ground. Then you really have to have those, those little plants right in the sun, whether with artificial, you know, uh, lights or it, moving those greenhouses right into a sunny window. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's, give me a call if you get at all confused in the next few weeks, but I think you'll find the plants will kind of tell you what
4: they need. <laughs> um, I'm concerned about damping off.
2: Right. Don't be concerned about damping off if a <clears throat> couple of things. One is you're using sterile soil mix. Or soilless mm-hmm. so it has never been used. It's in a package. It's sealed up. It is complete. It itself is sterile. Your peat pots, again, if they've never been used, are going to be sterile. Um, make sure that everything is clean. Make sure your hands are clean when you're dealing with any of these plants. And you should not have any issues with damping off. Um, keeping in mind as well that damping off is a fungal disease. <clears throat> so. The conditions that encourage fungal diseases is too much moisture. So don't let this whole thing become a soggy mess. Or you're right; you could end up with some uh, plants falling down due to fungus, and you don't want that. Right. So, you,
4: you, so you keep just, them moist but not wet. Water um, just water a little when the uh, soil is getting dry on top.
2: Yeah, exactly. And those peat pots lose moisture from the sides of the pot. Mm-hmm, they do. So, if anything, you may water just into the tray, like the pots will be yes, sitting in a tray, in a right? Tray. So you may find that you'll just want to put room-temperature water into the tray, and then the water will move its way up into the soil and into the pots through capillary action. Yeah, yeah.
1: Pat, we're, we're kind of running
4: overboard with, with the questions. <laughs> well, that's, exceeding that's all more the than information one per call. Thank you very, very much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: very Thank well. you. I hate to jump in, but, you know,
4: the <laughs>
1: Control some situations. Sometimes. All,
4: All right, right outrage. Um, These
1: people. You know, it's so funny. Uh, if you're, I don't know whether you're watching online the the feed from the studio. I am. Are you? You might have seen my eyebrows go up dramatically. Uh, I thought you said Peapot. and I'm going, "What the devil, Peapot? <laughs> oh, Pete pot. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I got good it now. Point. Very good. good. Point. <laughs> okay, this this uh, next email is not so much a question, Charlie, but mm. a comment from Karen Whittington, uh, Lakeshore Road in Dunville, uh, forcing forsythia. Mm. says, perhaps, uh, good day, perhaps remind folks that now is the time to force some lovely forsythia branches into Boz
2: indoors. Yeah, it's a really good point. <clears throat> This is the time, I mean, if we're hurting for color, we're hurting for flowers, we want spring and we want it now. Remember, Mm -hmm. your early blooming shrubs and trees have buds on them now. They formed all their flower buds last fall. So if if you've got a forsythia, which is a good example because they tend to get big and overgrown. So if you've got some big old overgrown forsythia on the property, get out there today in the sunshine uh, or tomorrow in the sunshine. Prune that plant back. But whatever you're pruning... Bring it inside. Get those cut branches into a nice tall vase with some warm water. Even a little bit of sugar uh, gets things going even faster. And, yeah, watch them bloom indoors. I mean, apple, if you've got crab apples, apples, peaches, pears, any of the fruit trees, anybody who's pruning out there, save what you're pruning. Bring it in and enjoy it.
1: Okay. Um, on the line is Lynn from Little Britain, just on the outskirts there of Lindsay, Ontario. Good morning, Lynn. Welcome to the show.
3: Good morning. I'm a first time caller. Oh but my I didn't goodness! Well.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
3: thank you. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I uh, you've got me through a lot of painting this winter. <laughs> but uh, like, like the walls
2: to... or, or or art.
3: Uh, well, I do stained glass, but it was, um, oh, ugh, trim. It was terrible. Oh, horrible. Yeah, I'm glad we helped with that. <laughs> yes, you did. So um, I won't keep you. I brought home um, a beautiful fern for my daughter's a patio last fall, and mm-hmm. it's been loving my front room, a south-facing window. I feed it every couple weeks and get, give it mm-hmm. lots of water. I did the same thing last year, but just about this time, I started noticing some sticky residue that it was dropping on the floor, and within a week or so, little ants started marching in. Oh. So I don't want that to happen again, um, but, of course, my husband was <laughs> it. Not a fan of bugs, huh? Not a fan <laughs> of bugs, no. Is, is, there a, is there males and female ferns, and what, no. what was happening
2: there? No. Okay, so what must have happened, and this is where you might have almost needed a magnifying glass, There could have been, since that fern was outside at your daughter's all summer, it's something came in with the fern that stayed dormant through most of the winter. And then as the spring started to happen and the days got longer and the fern was all excited and, you know, getting some new growth on it, something most likely an aphid woke up. Now, it's important to realize that you only need one aphid. Aphids are quite a, a noxious little pest because they don't need, uh, they, there's no sexual, well, there is sexual reproduction, but there's also asexual reproduction. So aphids give birth to live young, and they don't need a partner to do so. Okay. So they can just sit there and drop baby aphids, about uh, one a second. And so before you know it, you start with one aphid, and you can have thousands of aphids within a, a day or so. Wow. So it's probably that's what happened. And the sticky stuff was where the aphids had been um, sucking and and putting little holes in the leaves and sucking some of the juice out. It was dripping onto the floor, and the ants, of course, love it. So the ants are attracted to licking up all that nectar that was falling out of the fern. So just keep a really close eye. If in doubt, soap and water, not detergent, but soap and water uh, drench uh, on the plant. But don't do this when it's in the sun. Like, take it right out of the sun, into a bathroom, into the bathtub – Spray with soap and water. Rinse off that soap and water. Ten minutes later, and that's a. Um, and you'll find that if there's anything waking up or alive, if you give a thorough enough spray, it will certainly slow or kill anything that's on it.
3: Well, thank you very much. I, I had heard of that la- uh, for many years, and mm-hmm. uh, I finally broke down and did that with my kale last year outside mm-hmm. in my vegetable garden, and it worked like a charm. Mm-hmm. It really it's a, it's such a simple solution to things. But Yeah, uh, it's a thorough spray, and it's soap, not detergent, exactly. And so now, what's soap that's not detergent? Give me an example. Well, like, any. You can buy Safer's soap, which is designed for plants
2: as an insecticide. So that is a ready-to-go soap solution. You can buy it concentrated where you add water or buy it in a spritzer that is a spray bottle. Um, the, otherwise, everything out there is detergent unless you get into some of the baby products or some of the, the green environmentally friendly products where ah. it will say right on it, soap. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you think of downy soap. That's a soap. But, you know, sunlight and all those other ones, they're
3: all detergent. Right. And dawn as well, then. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Maybe I'll get to keep this one. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Good luck. Thank, thank, thank you, Lynn. Charlie. Bye-bye.
1: All righty. Have a great weekend. Take care of that metropolis, Little Britain for us. Okay. All righty. Oh, hey, this is fun. Uh, I have note here for, uh, by email from Ann Rogers, who says... Hi, Charlie and Frank. I'm in Manhattan, Illinois, south of Chicago, and listen regularly via podcast. Great show, nice balance of chat and information, but this, this breaks me up. I've not heard you talk much about soil testing yet. I recently moved five miles west of the old house. Everything just grew. Here, it's a battle. I think I need to test the soil. But how? The more I research it, she says, the more confused I get. Home test kit. Is this kit from Amazon Legit? Send it out where where do i send it <laughs> and i have several planting areas on one acre do i test all the areas it's so and so just, mm-hmm. this is like a bomb to the one question golden rule yeah. how about would you just discuss soil testing <laughs> thank you ann <laughs>
2: yes yeah, thank you ann i think this is going to the show is going to be every question is going to be the bomb yeah. to the one question golden <laughs> rule so far that seems to be the trend so okay this is a great question from ann rogers and she's absolutely right i have not Sort of waxed on extensively on uh, the subject of soil testing, but interesting. This is exactly what I teach at Durham College: is soil, the introduction to soil science, and we are just now launching into the soil testing segment of the semester. <clears throat> In Ontario, we have accredited soil testing labs that are accredited by the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture and Food. In the U- United States, of course, it's Different and they have different testing labs. I did look up and, and, and honestly, yeah, two labs that sound like they might be fairly close to you. One is in Warrenville, the Chicago Testing Lab Inc. in Warrenville, or the GMS Laboratories Inc. in Cropsey. So, so your question is should I test at home or should I send it out? You can do either. The, the difference is that when you test at home, you are not testing for nearly as much information as a soil lab can provide to you based on the sample you send to them. And if you're convinced that the issue is soil, uh, my impulse would be to say, go straight to the accredited people, send it into the professionals. Your other important question was, do I test every single area? I've got a vegetable garden over there. I've got a lawn over here and flowers over there. What do I do? What, what do I test? And that's a fair-sized property, an acre. Yes. Yeah. You are going to send in more than one soil sample. Um, generally, what I've done is, it's, it, like, say it's flower beds, and I've got five of them. I will, ta- I will make an aggregated sample from the five different flower beds into a pail. And remember, when you do get a soil sample, it's not just off the, the top inch of the soil that you're going to take the sample from. You're actually going to dig a bit of a hole down about eight to ten inches. Uh, sort of open up some space in the soil. Then with a sh- your shovel, you're going to take a slice, a vertical slice of soil that's going to include the top and a little bit of soil in that slice all the way down to the bottom of that 8 to 10-inch hole. You're going to pull that sample up out of, out of the, the, the hole you've dug. You're going to drop that sample into a bucket. You're going to go to somewhere else where you're planting the same roughly uh, kinds of plants throw it all into a bucket, mix it all up. And from that bucket, you'll take one sample and you'll bag that all up and send that into the soil testing lab. Vegetable garden, you may, depending on the size of it, just want to amalgamate that in with the flowers. Lawns are a little different. So yeah, you're going to end up with a couple different samples. And in Ontario, what we do is we uh, send an email to our accredited soil testing lab. They send us the, what we need. They they email us. Well, they usually mail us the box and the bag and all that other stuff that we'll package the soil samples into, and then it's all from email from that point forward, uh, filling out forms. You tell them what you want to grow. They're going to recommend what you need to do to grow that um, effectively, because soil sampling and testing is not only about determining the fertility of the soil, but it also recognizes things like nutrient deficiencies, any potential toxicities that might be in the soil from excess fertilizer from the, the past. There could be non-essential minerals in there. And one of the most important things they'll test for is organic matter. And that's something you have a hard time testing for yourself. So start with the professionals, move forward from there, follow their recommendations, and then in the future, you will be able to do some home testing yourself.
1: And good luck with all of that, Anne. Nice to have you uh, on board via podcast.
2: Yeah, um, good to hear from you. Can yes, hey, I have one me. quick, sure, frank, one quick comment just before we head, I see to a break. Um, I just got an email. So anybody who would like to again get into it, get involved in a local hort society, the Pickering Garden and Hort Society is hosting a meeting via Zoom this Tuesday, March 9th. So the uh, subject is Little Known Garden Gems for the Landscape, presented by Jim Lounsbury, owner of Vine Land Nursery. And Jim Lounsbury is a brilliant, brilliant man, so he would be certainly worth listening to. So for more information, if you want to join in to the virtual meeting with the Pickering Garden Hort Society, send an email to president, so just president, one word, President uh, O-F-P-H-S, so President of... P-H-S, Pickering Society, at gmail.com.
1: Okay, quick note on uh, phone lines. We've got them open there at 416-360-0740 in Toronto and anywhere in the province toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We're coming back to say hi to Louise in Claremont, Ontario, in just a moment here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils
0: and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Scythia and fox clubs, marigolds, magnolia,
5: lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks,
0: fox, hollyhocks, tulips and williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. A
1: little bit of a cloudy day here in Toronto, but bringing a little sunshine, hopefully, from <laughs> Claremont. Is Louise on the line? Good morning, Louise. Hello. Hi. Yeah,
4: hi. Uh,
5: I have a simple question. I have one area on my property that it, it face, it's a corner that it faces northeast. Uh, the ground is very damp and moist, and it's very rich with compost, but I would like to know if there's any kind of flowers that grow well in the shade with that kind of moisture in the ground. I'd just like to brighten up that corner if I could. It huh. faces onto a woodland, so I don't really want to have any more greenery. I'd just rather have something colorful. Is there anything you can suggest for that?
2: Yeah, that's actually a great question. Um, <clears throat> so northeast shade, damp, color—that's <laughs> the hard part. Is that the thing? <laughs> <laughs> there is um, just a couple of things are jumping into my brain, but you are wanting color. That's the harder part. So many things that will do well. Okay, so ginger. Oh, okay. Wait, I'm just trying to think where can I grab this information from. Oh, you know what? I would, but Okay, these are going to be perennial plants, though, that are going to do well,
5: the best. Either perennial or annual, it doesn't really matter.
2: Off the top of my head, no annuals jumping into my head, but there are some great. So there's something called perennial lobelia. The common name is cardinal flower. It oh. looks moisture, and it's bright red, and it's really, really, really pretty, and that <clears throat> would be something I would definitely plant into that corner, if you can. Um, okay, there are some different sort of, hmm, bacteria, there's some native plants, actually, you know what, that's a really good point. elderberries, too big, they, you know, all things that love can handle moisture, and it's going to be fairly acidic in there, I think, as well, when, if you did a pH test, which is yeah. typically what happens... When it is,
4: okay,
2: irises, Japanese, uh, it's probably not in the sun, though. Mm. (laughs) All right, you've got me a little bit not sure to what to, I can't just spit them off the top of my head here, I have to think about this. Any um, hmm, creeping willow would love that place, but it's not going to be super, that's a problem, it's the color that's the challenge here. Um, Well,
5: you mentioned ginger at the beginning. Would ginger grow well in that kind of condition?
2: Yeah, native Ontario ginger would love that. Loves the shade, loves the moisture. But I'll tell you what, let's um, leave that with me, and I will do my best to give you some more suggestions next show off the top of the hour. Okay. Very good. Okay, and just because it's one of those, I don't want to drag this on too long. So just to remind me, northeast corner, and where are you calling from? Claremont, which is okay. north end of Pickering. Okay, got it. Yeah, I know what Claremont is.
5: And I'm also a first-time caller. I forgot. Oh, oh my, my goodness. goodness. Wait a minute.
2: <laughs> well, welcome, and don't be a stranger.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Oh, you know oh, what's I love on your my show? I listen to it every week. Okay, one of my favorites that I am just flashed on is Hellebore. Helleborus. Again, this is a perennial. It's an evergreen perennial plant. How big is this area, roughly?
5: Um, it's about maybe four feet by four feet square. It it's right in the corner between two doors, out my laundry room door and into the garage door. Okay. And it's a very nice corner. It just doesn't yeah. see sunlight.
2: Right, right, right. Ferns, of course, any of the ferns, and there are some gorgeous ferns these days, you know, with purples and that sort of thing. Uh, perennial plants. Not, a, I mean, so you wouldn't be just stuck with green, I guess is my point. Um, no, but all right.
5: there's the woods right beside me, so I get enough greenery from there.
2: Yeah, I hear you on that. So, um, But there are some really, really, some of the Ethereums come with all kinds of wonderful colors. All right, so listen next time, next week, and uh, when we come and when we start the show at 9 o'clock, I'll see if I can give you some ideas. All right, perfect. Thank you okay. so
1: much. Thank hey, you thank and you. Uh, yeah, thanks for being a first time caller here to the Garden mm-hmm. Show. Now, I'm looking at the clock and I got well, you know what? We have to take another break here. Oh my goodness. Yeah, uh, otherwise, you know, we're, we're going to be in the soup. So, uh, a note to David Maple Durham who uh, sent you a neat little email. We're going to deal with that in just a couple of moments, David. Thanks for being tuned to the Garden Show right here on Zoomer
0: Radio. Mm-hmm change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round this is the garden show with charlie dobbin exclusively on zoomer radio
1: well, alrighty, Charlie, a note from David Mapledorum, and he says, Hello, Charlie and Frankie. <laughs> I enjoy your radio <laughs> program on Saturday mornings. I was given the plant a couple of months ago, and I'm puzzled to why the buds, of which there are many, are, are just beginning to bloom, turn a yellowish-brown on the base, and then die. The leaves are a lovely green, and I have a moisture meter plugged into the soil continuously, and water when it's about 10 to 20 percent wet. The plant faces south-southeast. At present, gets the more morning sun. I rotate it about ninety degrees most days and spray it every few days. What am I doing wrong or not doing? Cheers for now, David.
2: Thanks for your, your note, David. And just to clarify, he is writing about a, a gardenia plant.
1: Oh right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't um, mention that. Right. Yeah,
2: no, that's okay. And he sent some photographs. And you know what? He's struggling with something that we any of us who have ever tried to grow gardenia have struggled with exactly what David's struggling with. Beautiful buds. We're all excited, anticipating the amazing fragrance of this beautiful plant. And just when it looks like it's gonna, you know, pop open, they shrivel up and fall off. They turn yellow at the base and die. So, what to do? You know what he's doing everything very, very well. He's got a you know nice bright spot. He's keeping the plant nice and moist. Um, I would just suggest to make sure he is watering with soft water that is tepid, room temperature water that has sat out, preferably. So avoid hard water. And the only other thing I can suggest is humidity. Do whatever you can, David, to raise that humidity around that plant. That could include a pebble tray. So that's that, you know, cookie sheet with gravel in it. Plant sits on top of the gravel. Mm-hmm. Water is kept in the gravel at all times. And that um, increases the humidity in the, in the area around the plant. It's a bit of a tree he's got. It's like a miniature tree in the picture's um, misting, if you, if you like to mist, get out your spritzer, mist a couple of times a day. Um, and I know, I know it's, a, it's so frustrating. It's sometimes, yeah, gardenias are very, very picky. They just, They just <laughs> don't, don't make it easy for any of us that want to grow them. No matter how much we love them, they make it tough. So keep, keep trying. You're doing everything right so far.
1: Okay. Encouraging words, if nothing else. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jean is online from High Park. Good morning,
2: Jean.
3: uh, I just want to know how to take care of begonia.
2: What kind of begonia? Is it a tuberous? or? kind?
3: From Costco. I just bought it. From Costco. Begonia. Yeah. Has
2: it got flowers on it?
3: Flowers. Going to be flowers, yes.
2: And what color are the flowers?
3: Oh, I have red and pink. Okay. Two colors.
2: So, okay. And did you, are they in
3: a... From Costco.
2: Yeah. Okay. From Costco. So are they in a bag? Is this something where in you're going to... In a gonna, bag, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. All right. I know exactly what you're talking about. So what's happening... What, those are dormant tubers in the yes, bag. Yes, yes. Some <clears throat> Because at this time of year, we can buy... Dormant perennials in a bag, dormant tubers in a bag, um, many of our most favorite. No,
3: just, they just start, yes, sowing yep. begonia in, in bags. Yeah. So the begonias
2: are, if you t- open the bag and you look at it, they'll be brown and they are in the shape of a cup. So when you plant them, you're going to get out some clean pots and some nice, fresh, clean, moist, uh, potting soil or soilless mix. Yeah. You're going to put the soil into your pots. Make sure the pots have drainage holes. Yeah. Look, they can be small pots, like six-inch pots. Moist yeah. soil. You're going to take the begonias and you're going to literally sit them on the, almost on, you're going to just dig a tiny bit of a trench in the center of the pot. You're going to put the cup-shaped tuber into the soil with the, the um, concave side up and the round bowl shape down, and you're going to sink it into the soil so that it's just level. So the lip of the bowl, of the tuber, is level with the surface of the soil, and you're going to put these into a sunny location. You're going to keep them moist but not wet, Uh and they will start to grow. And be careful you don't keep them too moist because then they'll start falling all over the place but get them started and then keep them in that sunny spot, turn them in the window every uh, day or two, and they will start to grow, little Little sprouts will start to pop up out of those tubers, and okay. um, you will get them outside when we're frost-free and enjoy them out in the garden, and they will bloom all summer Oh, absolutely. How about fertilize? How about fertilizing? Sh- yeah, once you get them out in the garden, you can fertilize, but for now, you shouldn't need to do a lot of fertilizing.
1: Uh Okay. Thank you, Jean. Yeah, we have to kind of push along here. We're just approaching the end of the show, but we can squeeze in another call here for sure. Sandra in Etobicoke, anxious to have a word with you. Charlie, good morning, Sandra.
6: Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Thank you for taking the call. Charlie, I've got a fairly um, shaded, dry area, and I'm wondering if there's some form of climber I could grow, either annual or perennial.
2: Uh, okay, so is it a fence or a wall or what have you got there? It's it's um
6: it's up against a neighbor's garage. It it will oh, yeah. face west mm-hmm. and it's it's a very shaded area. There's a large balsam tree in front um, in, in front of it, so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of in, in a quite a shaded area, mm-hmm. very shaded, and dry. Okay. So I grow hostas in the bed. I need
2: to grow something behind them. Right. Um, all right. So to, so there's a thorny shrub you can grow, but you probably don't want to grow that because it's just going to make it hard to go in there and do anything. Two no. vines come to mind. Yes. They both grow in the shade. Uh, you will have to amend that dry soil with some organic matter. Get a bag of composted manure or whatever when you are planting in there just to give these plants a start. I have my own
6: compost that I made.
2: There you go. Use some compost to, to amend the soil if you're going to plant one of these vines. Um, the proper names aren't coming to my brain very quickly, but the common names, one is called chocolate vine. So chocolate vine is called chocolate vine because it gets little brown flowers, mm-hmm. and they smell actually like vanilla, but they, um, it does grow in the shade, and it's a, it's an excellent, vigorous vine. Okay. So it would do a nice job covering your neighbor's uh, garage. And the other one is called Dutchman's Pipe. And Dutchman's Pipe uh, also gets little flowers on it that are look like little Dutchman's Pipes. <laughs> so, okay. okay.
6: Uh, at the other end of the bed, I currently have um, a climbing hydrangea. Mm-hmm. So that's growing. I, I need something fairly small. Does, I think Dutchman's Pipe gets
2: fairly big. Uh, yeah. Anything that's happy is going to grow. Like vines will grow, right? They'll grow, you know, 10, 15 feet high. Mm-hmm. Um, could you put another climbing hydrangea in there? Um, they, it, gets, they are, it gets less sun than the other end of the bed. Right, but they are fairly tolerant of shade, climbing hydrangea. That might problem. be worth a try. It might look nice to have them kind of bookend like that. Right. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. We're, we're
1: just fresh out of time, <laughs> okay,
2: unfortunately. Thank you, okay. thank you for exactly. calling. And, Charlie,
1: Goodbye. I had I had a kind of smile on myself. There was a phrase used there in the conversation, up against a wall. And I recalled uh, a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, who at one point in her life was very thrilled that a rose was named after her. But she wasn't so happy when she found out that the description was... Not good in a bed, but fine up against the wall.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She had a very good sense of humor. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. Hey, Frankie. I don't know where that hour just went. I know. Gosh. But, uh, hey, it's International Women's Day on Monday, so shout out to all the women. You got it. And you look after that, Shirley. I will, too.
1: Okay. (laughs) We're trying to get her in for her shot now. You know, boy.
2: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, get that booked up. Good idea. And, um, yeah, <clears throat> thanks, everybody. Keep those emails coming. What's my email address again? c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Good idea. And, um, yeah, <clears throat> thanks, everybody. Keep those emails coming. What's my email address again? c.dobbin at mzmedia.com. Way to go. So happy with the emails and, and happy to hear from you on the phone. So we will see you all again next week.